And welcome to Gamers on the Go, Episode 5. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Now, before I start, I should mention, I'm going solo this time. This is all me. Uh, I will say this is not a permanent thing. It's more of an experiment. Um, Also, I couldn't really find anybody at the moment who wanted to talk about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. But I do, and that's the important thing. So, you're just going to have to deal with me. Uh, But it will be definitely a shorter show being that I don't have to actually have to agree with somebody, and I certainly won't be saying certainly as much because I won't have anybody to say it to. Anyway, let's uh, get right into Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. We're talking about the Game Boy Advance version here. We will mention the Game Boy Color version, but uh, we're really here to talk about GBA. Anyway, this game came out in 2001, specifically May 30th, 2001. It was about six months after the PlayStation release of the game. Uh, it was a GBA launch game, and the whole launch lineup, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the whole launch lineup for you guys, uh, which is actually one of the best launch lineups ever, if you, if you think about it. Um, all, despite not having a whole lot of original titles, uh, and the original titles that they did have weren't absolutely the best, this was, this was a really solid lineup. Let me just kind of go down the list for you. Uh, we had Army Men Advance, which was okay, uh, Castlevania Circle of the Moon, Choo Choo Rocket, Earthworm Jim, which was a, a port, but a pretty good port. Uh, F-Zero Maximum Velocity, which is a great racing game. Fire Pro Wrestling, which I hear is good, but when I played it, I didn't understand it at all. I was also really young at the time. Um, GT Advanced Championship Racing, which was a very uh, good uh, game in that series. Uh, Iridian 3D, Konami Crazy Racers, which was... Uh, really just a rip-off of, of uh, Super Mario Kart, but Konami got it out before uh, Nintendo brought out Super Mar- uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit for GBA, so good for them. It was also apparently really really good and really faithful to the Mario Kart style of game and, and actually got really well-received. Namco Museum, which has come out for pretty much every system ever. Pinobi Wings of Adventure, which is one of those original games that didn't just didn't work out so well. Pitfall, the Mayan Adventure, uh, Rayman Advance, which was a really really gorgeous game, uh, kind of a port of of Rayman, but uh, but it used the it used new graphics and looked really gorgeous on that on that GBA screen, really bright and colorful. Ready to Rumble Boxing Round Two, Super Dodgeball Advance, which was one of my favorite games from the from the launch lineup, despite being more of a, a port of uh, Kunio-kun, I believe is how you pronounce that. Um, but they changed the graphics up a little bit, so it's it's not super faithful, but it, it was a fun game. Super Mario Advance, which um, was actually Super Mario 2, the U.S. version of Super Mario 2 anyway, with uh, some repainted sprites uh, that looked pretty nice. And last but not least, the game we're talking about today, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. So Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, it was, it was easily one of the most important GBA launch games. Not just in terms of its quality, but rather how faithful it remained to the console companion. It really showed you that uh, 
it was a testament of the power of the GBA over the Game Boy Color that had come before it. You could you could see how much better it looked than the GBA than the Game Boy Color version. Um, they, they did make a Game Boy Color version of Tony Hawk Pro Skater and Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 and even Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. None of these were done by the developer of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 for GBA, which was Vicarious Visions, but we'll get to that a little bit later. The, the Game Boy Color versions, uh, 1 and 2 were done by Natsume, and 3 was done by Hot Gen. And all three of them were very bad. They, they just, oof, they were... They were rough. They were mostly 2D. Uh, the Game Boy Color just couldn't handle the big 3D environments of of the PlayStation uh, games. And you you kind of came up with these weird skatey. They kind of were skate games, but they just they didn't feel anything like they should have felt. Uh, they tried to kind of give a bit of an isometric view when they when they created two, and even three tried a little bit harder, but they just never felt quite right. Uh, it was all 2D, pixely, sprite-based things, and uh, it just controlled really weird and just wasn't that fun at all. But we're talking about the Game Boy Advance games, which actually were extremely faithful to their console, console companions. They brought over most of the levels, most of the features of the PlayStation versions, and, and really was that testament that, hey, the GBA is, is a really powerful system and can do some really great things. And we're going to finally be able to get some real 3D-style games on a handheld system, and we never got that with something like the Game Boy Color. So like I said before, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 for the GBA was developed by Vicarious Visions. Uh, They were primarily a company who at that time were known for building licensed handheld games. They worked on Blue's Clues, Monsters, Inc., Barbie, that kind of stuff that you wouldn't really touch with a 10-foot pole. But with Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, Vicarious Visions really began to make their own mark and earn some respect in the industry. They eventually got purchased by Activision, uh, who then put them in the big Activision mill to just churn out games of all sorts. Uh, They worked on the Guitar Hero franchise and have been putting out tons of hero games. Uh, They're actually the ones who are responsible for that weird peripheral for uh, Guitar Hero on tour that you plugged into the bottom of your DS, in the GBA slot of your DS, and eh, eh, not not great. But uh, but they were solid games. It was just a really weird peripheral. Uh, they also worked on Spider-Man games, and now they're currently working on Skylanders games for for the 3DS. And <laughs> and of course, Tony Hawk games. They got saddled with a ton of those. But that's something that will come later when we talk about uh, the legacy of the games. Anyway, um, another interesting fact is that Vicarious Visions also ended up working on Jet Grind Radio, known as Jet Set Radio in Europe for the for the GBA version anyway. And it used the exact same engine as the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 game that they made for GBA. And it was also really well received, as was, the, as was Tony Hawk. Uh, maybe not as well as Tony Hawk, but it was, it was up there. So when we're talking about how the GBA version was really faithful to the console versions, I could tell you all the things that made it faithful, but it might actually be faster to tell you the things that weren't as faithful, the, the actual differences from the console version. So let's go down them. We have an isometric view, first of all. It was this kind of Diablo-style view, that, that same isometric view you get in all those sorts of games. 
it worked much better for the portable than than that behind the skater 3D view would have been because the GBA just couldn't handle graphics of that sort. But it also led to some depth perspective issues. Uh, there were multiple multiple reviewers who said they had some kind of MC Escher style perspective issues of just not knowing where things were. Uh, it actually was more important to be looking at the shadows of objects uh, in the world, including your skater and skate letters and whatever things that you had to destroy or grind on or collect, uh, because those told you more of where those items were in the world than the items did themselves, uh, because it, it was kind of difficult to pick up on depth and pick up on where specifically in the level these things were. You could always tell the height, just where in the depth. Uh, I didn't have too many problems with it, but it, it was something that, that definitely was a problem for a lot of people. The second biggest thing is the music. Tony Hawk is really known by its spectacular soundtracks game after game after game, and the GBA just couldn't do licensed full music. It, it just didn't have the capacity for that. What it did have, though, was some really solid sampled tracks. Vicarious Visions actually went out and got the Iridian developer Shinin, and and they went to make these kind of sampled background music tracks, and they were they were good. They they did the job definitely, but they just they weren't something that left that lasting memory like you like you have with Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two and and Three and and all of them really um, for the consoles because you just I mean those are songs that stuck with you and stuck with the series. There was actually, there was no creative skater like there was in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 for the, for the PlayStation. Again, this is all size constraints. Uh, it just wasn't feasible at that, at that time. This is a GBA launch game we're talking about. Now, it is a feature that fans really wanted and asked for, and when uh, Vicarious Visions made Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 for the GBA, they brought in a limited version of creative skater, and it got a little bit better over time as they put out yearly sequel after yearly sequel. But, uh, but for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, you just had your, your lineup of, I believe, 13 skaters. Um, and I don't know if that includes the unlockable Spider-Man or not. Uh, who is in there? And Spidey's looking pretty good. Uh, there were also fewer levels. There are only six in this port. Uh, only five of them actually from Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. In a weird twist, though, uh, since there wasn't a Tony Hawk Pro Skater the original game for GBA, Vicarious Visions, brought in a little fan service for GBA gamers and and brought in the warehouse level from the original Tony Hawk. Uh, fun level. It plays a lot like Hangar, if you ask me, so it, it actually feels like you just have two levels that are very similar. But for, for people who are really big fans of the first Tony Hawk, warehouse is a big deal. Um, you did, of those six uh, in the game, we, we mentioned warehouse. Uh, Hangar was also in there. Uh, School 2, Marseille, the big ones that you that you really wanted, um, but they just couldn't fit all of them in, of course. There wasn't any multiplayer. Uh, again, this is all really just limited capacity stuff. Um, they brought they brought in some multiplayer for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, uh, kind of a pass the pass the console pass the Game Boy Advance around and see if you can beat each other's scores. Uh, but there was also a version that used link cables. Uh, this this got slightly better with other games, but for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, you just they didn't need it, and it wasn't something that they were really focusing on, so it's not something we got. And I think it's kind of a better game for it. They focused on what they really needed to do, 
which was making a solid skating game that felt like the console version. And in that, they, they definitely succeeded. And another thing they didn't have was a creative park, which really, if you think about it, would just be ridiculous to even consider because size constraints, guys. Anyway, uh, if you've agreed with me with size constraints on any of the other things before, you'll completely understand why creative park is just completely infeasible. We discussed a little bit, or I discussed a little bit, the sequels for for Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 on the GBA. Uh, We got three, we got four, we had Underground, and eventually we even had Underground 2. All for GBA, all done by Vicarious Visions. Uh, They they were the ones that really pushed the GBA to its limits, because 2 showed off what the hardware could do. In a a launch game, that's what you really need. But with the sequels, it just pushed it a little bit more. It actually was a really good barometer of where GBA development was going and how it was evolving. Uh, We got bigger stages, Creative Skater and Multiplayer, like I said, got added in later and improved upon... Uh, you got all the all the tricks, uh, the trick techniques, the evolution of of the things that Tony Hawk did. Like, uh, ma- well, you had manuals from Tony Hawk Two, and that was in Tony Hawk Two for GBA as well. We got Revert when when Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three came in, and that also ported over. And for Four, when they had skitching and uh, spine transfers, those came into the GBA versions as well. Um, but just despite the improvements, for me, it just felt like the magic was gone. The, it was a spectacle to have this really amazing skating game that was so faithful to, to the console versions. And you really just needed that for one game. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 was, was so good, I really didn't feel like I needed another one. And just having those yearly, yearly releases that Activision is so want to do, it just got really old really quickly. Um, despite retaining... Really good quality up until Underground 2. That one was, wasn't was reviewed very well. But all the other ones had had great scores. Uh, they played well. The ones that I've played, which have just been a smattering of them, uh, they all felt great. It just it, it felt a little bit weak, as in I just didn't need this type of game anymore. I, I could always just go back to Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, play a few levels, do a couple grinds, and be happy. And then I could take it out and put in something else. What uh, what really, though, is my biggest remembrance of the Tony Hawk series, and this is just when I kind of go off the rails of, of portable gaming whatsoever and just talk about a big series at large, I inadvertently owned the first four Tony Hawk games for four completely separate systems. I had the first one for the Nintendo 64, the second one for GBA, obviously, uh, the third one I owned for GameCube, and the fourth one I owned for the Xbox. I didn't own a PlayStation or a PlayStation 2 uh, until just recently, so I actually haven't played a Tony Hawk game on a Sony console, as probably is the appropriate way to play them. Um, the chain broke when Underground came out. I bought that for the Xbox as well, and I rented Underground 2 uh, for the Xbox, and just, oh, I found it, found it terrible. It was just... It, it was getting to that point where it was just too much. Uh, it became kind of half Tony Hawk and half Jackass. You had Bam Margera there, and you were doing weird things with Ben Franklin, and I just, I, I was totally taken out of it. Uh, I was done with skated games at that point. And until the Skate scary, skate series came out for, for 360 and PlayStation 3, I 
didn't care about them at all. But after that series, it kind of piqued my interest. I kind of got back into them slightly. Uh, and what really, what really prompted this podcast was the Tony Hawk HD collection or the Tony Hawk pro skater HD collection, um, which I guess isn't so much a collection as it is just assorted levels from Tony Hawk one and two, uh, that came out on Xbox live arcade. And in all honesty, I really think that's probably about it. I don't really have a whole lot more to say. Um, I'll always remember Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 as as my, my my probably favorite game in the Tony Hawk series, and I think it's because I got to play it on GBA uh, that when I got a GBA, that was the first game I owned for it, and I played the hell out of it and and enjoyed it a ton, and I just never got that feeling again. I, I mean, I enjoyed Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 3 and, and even 4 and Underground, but the magic was really there with two, and I think that added because it's a handheld system, and uh, I'm a big handheld fan. So uh, that's that's basically all I have. Uh, let me go through our our plugs here. Uh, GOTGpodcast at gmail dot com is the email address. You can email in uh, your your suggestions for games or any comments you might have on on Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two or any of the previous games we've gone over. Uh, or when I put out a prompt for any future episodes uh, that you guys can certainly write in for that. You can also tweet us at GOTG Podcast. That's on Twitter. And you can also send anything that you need to do on our Facebook, facebook.com slash GOTG Podcast. That's it. That's it for me. Uh, I'm Chase Kennecke. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I will see you guys in however long it takes to create another episode. I'll make sure I have a guest this next time because... Although I feel like I did okay, probably not the best. So uh, hopefully you uh, you enjoyed it, but uh, I'll talk to you guys again soon. Hey, 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 hey,